In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents Diet Starts Tomorrow with host Aileen Drexler. I'm having a relationship with my pizza. In a world where wellness looks perfect on Instagram. Just doing my workout. Tuesday's arms and back. But feels anything but in real life. Is butter a carb? Yes. This is the podcast exploring the emotional side of well-being. I would be proud to partake of your pecan pie. From people who understand the struggle. I am on the third day of my cleanse diet. Hello and welcome to Diet Stars Tomorrow. I'm your host, Aileen, and I am excited to introduce today's guest. Today, I am joined by Shannon Ritchie. She's a physical therapist, fitness instructor, and owner of the online fitness platform, Evlo. Shannon is on the show today to highlight the overall mistakes we're making in our fitness routines and talk about the connectedness of all of our muscles. I'm very excited about that. So welcome to DST, Shannon. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I like, I love this stuff. And Same. I was, I started to go to physical therapy right before the pandemic. Like I had it on my list for years. You know, those things like, okay, finally I'm going to start going because I have some knee stuff. And I like went to like three appointments and then all of a sudden <laughs> the whole world shut down and I'm like, well, I'm not going to do these exercises at home. <laughs> right, right. You're and, like, this is boring. I don't want to yeah. do this at home. You need like someone to like push you to make yes, it, make you do them. Because they're yeah. also so subtle and like tiny movements. I'm like, oh my God, I, yeah. I don't really know what I'm doing either. So, but I'm excited right. to speak with you because you're you're the first physical therapist we've had on the show. So yay! I'm yeah. so excited. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, <laughs> it's like when you when you're doing those like little tiny exercises just for anyone who's in physical therapy and needs a little like reassurance. You have to like rewire your brain, and so you have to keep doing them even though they feel subtle and they feel like you know this isn't like hard enough, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. you had to like keep doing them so that you can rewire those new connections to the muscles that you're actually trying to like target and balance. So yeah, no, so fascinating. it's true. All of the boring stuff is actually important. Oh, 100%, 100%. (laughs) Which I am assuming we're going to talk about today. So before we get into it, I'd love to hear a bit about your background, like what made you want to become a physical therapist and then also start and what is Evlo? Yeah, I'd love to hear that. So I am actually no longer practicing as a physical therapist. I run Evlo full-time. Evlo is an online fitness platform. And it's kind of like a merge between the worlds of Pilates, yoga, and lifting. So it's all about like building your body up without tearing up your joints, without burning you out, all of that. So the reason I started this was because in my like early mid-20s, I was a fitness instructor. Like I was in physical therapy school and I thought that workouts had to like grind you into the ground in order to be effective. Like I thought you had to burn a million calories. I thought you had to be like begging for mercy. I thought you had to work out every single day, all of these things. And essentially my body felt like it was falling apart. 
at like the age of 24. I was in my physical therapist's office like every single week putting me back together. And I just, I felt horrible. Like my husband and I laugh. Like we're like, we used to go out to eat and forget about like sitting in a hard bar stool. Like my back would hurt too bad. Like I wouldn't even be able to enjoy dinner. And it's like, this is ridiculous. And I thought that was normal. And I was having so many of, as a practicing physical therapist, so many clients who were super fit, but having the exact same problem, like on the outside, they looked amazing, but they felt horrible. So like so many people were in the fitness world, were dealing with this. They could squat twice their body weight, but they couldn't like run around the yard with their kids. Cause they're like joints hurt so bad. So, and I just remember telling my patients, this is so horrible. <laughs> Sorry for all my patients who I told them this, but like, Oh, this is the price you have to pay if you want to like look good and be fit is that your body just is going to feel bad. Oh, wow. Your body's going to hurt. And I just remember, you know, around the time I graduated and a few years afterwards, I was getting exposed to all of this new information about biomechanics, about hormones, about how like you don't have to tear your body up in order for your workout to be effective. In fact, that probably isn't effective in the long term. Um, so started Evlo and I, since I've started, I've realized how many people struggle with this. And ultimately our goal is to like help you be fit and strong and be effective in your workouts without just like completely depleting you and tearing you up. Right. Yeah. That is the goal. I mean, also I think, I know you talked about, or you just mentioned that, you know, really fit, fit people are having all these issues, but I think also a majority of us are like working on, you know, creating like fitness as a habit and just having like a good fitness routine, just something consistent, not necessarily like wanting to be like the fittest possible, but even in that, even in like the daily, in your daily movements, in in like workouts that you think are just kind of quote unquote safe, a lot of people, including myself, probably have form that could, that is hurting them, right? Yeah. Like yeah. even walking, I think I have a little treadmill, I walk and sometimes I feel like joint pain and I have to stop. And I'm like, what am I doing? Am I walking weird? And I spoke yeah. to a, tra- a trainer and he said like, it has to do with how your feet are hitting the ground. And I'm like, my feet, <laughs> right. the whole leg. Like, but it's my knees that hurt. Like, why is yeah, it? Yeah. It's all, right. So I guess my question is like, what are some common mistakes that you see people, women make while working out, whether that's in form or just in the way that they practice? Well, I think that like there's so many misconceptions about this and it's almost like I don't even know where to begin because there's so many things that are just backwards with what we think exercise should look like. So for example, I think exercise selection is like the most important part. So like so many people think like I need to do a bunch of squats or I need to do a bunch of burpees and planks or I need to do push-ups. Even though their body is like this hurts, this doesn't feel good and but they keep going because they're like, oh, but this is what I should be doing. When really, if you like are to look at it biomechanically, there's so many more effective exercises you could choose that could be benefiting your body more with less like joint wear and tear. So I think like that's the first piece of it is that number one, if an exercise doesn't feel good, like you have full permission to like try something else and strengthen your body in other ways. For example, like we don't do a lot of like squats in my program. It's not because I have anything against squats. It's just because I think there are certain exercises that are potentially more effective at loading like the glutes and legs with less strain to your joints. So 
I think that's a big piece of it. I think exercise selection should come first and then you look into form. So you're like, okay, what exercise is going to be highest reward with the least cost to my body? Because everyone's a little bit different. And then from there, let's look at your form. Let's look at your muscle activation. Are you connected to the muscles that you're feeling? Are you doing an exercise and are you actually feeling the targeted muscle contract? Are you feeling it burn? Are you getting it to fatigue? Or do you just kind of feel like, what am I working here? You know, like there's so many exercises that are just like, what is this actually doing for my body? Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's the biggest piece. And because a lot of people focus so much on form, which is important, very important form. But a lot of it is just like, what are the modalities that you're doing? So that's number one. I think number two is, and feel free to stop me if you have any follow-ups along the way. <laughs> like I could go over. I think number two, like, you know, so many people focus on the wrong things in their workouts. They're focusing on burning calories or just overall being exhausted from their workouts where I find that, well, there's all this new science coming out about how burning calories actually doesn't really do anything for like it's it's not the most effective target to have for several reasons. I think we're so conditioned to like, you know, burn off what we ate or use exercise as punishment or, you know, choose exercises that are going to burn a lot of calories, but maybe aren't actually strengthening our bodies in the way that we want it to. So they're like high cost, low reward exercises, but they burn a lot of calories. So in the short term, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. there's all of this science around how that might not be the most effective thing to like point your attention to when you're exercising. There's this cool theory by Herman Ponser. He has a book called Burn. If anyone wants to look into this, really cool. He has this theory called the constrained total energy expenditure model, which basically he did all these studies. Basically, it shows that if you're burning calories, a lot of calories in your workouts, your body will compensate throughout the day to redistribute your energy balance. So essentially it will downregulate other systems in your body, like your digestion, or you'll move less throughout the day, like on, you know, you won't even notice it, but you will. And so you stay at a relatively narrow window of calorie expenditure, whether or not you are working out really hard and burning a lot of calories in your workouts. So it's kind of like, huh, like if that doesn't matter, like maybe I should focus more on muscle fatigue. Maybe I should focus more on like, how can I target this muscle in a way that will lead to adaptation in my body in a way that will allow this muscle to grow? Like, let's just ditch our fitness watches and like put those aside and just focus on how our body is actually feeling rather than what we're burning. So I think that's like probably the number one, the number one thing. Okay. All of that was really good. And I have a lot of follow-up questions. Okay. Going back to exercise selection first. And then I want to talk about the calorie burning. So how do you know what to select then? Like, how do you rewire (laughs) what you have thought this entire time? How do you know what is the most, what, which exercises have the highest reward? Well, a little bit of it is like education, right? Because even in physical therapy school, like we weren't taught a lot about biomechanics and about how forces move through your body. Like in exercises. And so a lot of it is like, you know, a lot of it is that, (laughs) but I think also like a little bit of it is, is intuitive. So like, does this exercise feel satisfying? You know, the difference where you're like doing, like, let's say you're doing like a squat overhead press to a burpee and you're like, this is hard. Like I'm tired, but like, Mm -hmm. what am I working? Like what, and this doesn't like feel very satisfying. I don't feel that like satisfying burn. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think that a lot of it is intuitive, like where you're like, and in my classes, we're very targeted on one muscle group at a time. So like, for instance, today we did glutes and, you know, we're doing slow exercises that feel good on your joints. Like you're, you're not like, Oh, my back kind of aches. My knees kind of ache, but like my muscle is on fire. Like it feels very fatigued. And that's almost like a good, satisfying feeling. So that's what I really recommend is like, when you're exercising, when you're choosing exercises, ask yourself that, like, am I feeling what I'm supposed to be feeling here? And if not, like you can always try something else. Like you Mm -hmm. can try like one of my favorite exercises for glutes is step-ups. I think it's just so good. There's just such a biomechanically great exercise. So Mm -hmm. why don't I try those and see if I can feel more glute burn there instead of doing squats or lunges or whatever it is you're choosing. Does that make sense? No, that does make sense. It's just that it's hard to reach your intuition when so for so long we've heard that you know you have to push through being uncomfortable or like workouts are supposed to be taxing <laughs> you yes. know and then like it's not fun while you're doing it but when you're the high you're chasing the high after so yes. like it's hard to think about workouts being satisfying in the moment <laughs> because right. that's not what we've talked about ever we're not wired to think that because It's so fascinating. Some of our earliest associations to physical movement for so many of us are like middle school, high school sports. Mm -hmm. When, you know, our coaches were telling us like, you know, work harder, hustle, like no pain, no gain, no days off, all of these things. So a lot of our earliest associations in our brain to what physical movement should be like and feel like in our body were from those days where, you know, that that's for sports where the goal is in sports to win. But that same mindset doesn't necessarily translate into sustainable fitness, doesn't necessarily translate into healthy fitness long-term, but it's so hard to break because like that association is so deeply wired for so many of us. Um, right. So it, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, it, like that's like one thing when that I get the most questions about is like, I'm not, br- I'm not like in a pool of sweat. Like I'm not burning a bunch of calories. Mm -hmm. Like, is this going to work? Is this going to be effective? People are worried about that. And it's totally understandable because of that. Mm -hmm. So it's just about, but like, it's one of those things where it's like, well, you're going to feel a lot better. Your joints are going to feel better. Your, you know, your hormones are going to be like less wacky. You're not going to feel so like burned out. And then eventually you start to see your muscles grow and you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. like, and then it gets easier to kind of change your mindset when you start to see the success. Right. Yeah. That's an interesting, different like perspective to think about like that your aches and pains are just, you know, an inevitable symptom of getting to working out, but really the, you should put preventing aches and pains as your top (laughs) priority instead of something that's the afterthought. Yes. It feels like cat food has been the same forever. Smelly, boring, made of mystery ingredients. That's why you've got to try Smalls. Smalls cat food is protein-packed recipes made with preservative-free ingredients you'd find in your fridge. And it's delivered right to your door. Make the switch from kibble and give your cat a meal they'll love. We actually sent some to my friend who is fostering kittens and it is the only thing they will eat. It comes in these pate packages and you scoop it and you just feel like you're a chef for your baby kitties and they j'adore it. Your cute kitty is descended from ferocious desert cats who hunted live prey. Even if your cat prefers to nap all day, they still need fresh protein-packed meals for a balanced and healthy diet. Other brands fill their food with mysterious meat byproducts, artificial flavoring, and preservatives with names I don't even want to try to pronounce. 
After switching it up to Smalls, 90% of cat owners reported overall health improvements. That's major. The team at Smalls is so confident your cat will love their product that you can try it risk-free. That means they'll completely refund you if your picky cat won't eat their food. Now is the time to make the switch to Smalls. Head to smalls.com slash DST and use promo code DST at checkout for 50% off your first order plus free shipping. That's the best offer you'll find, but you have to use my code DST for 50% off your first order. One last time, that's promo code DST for 50% off your first order plus free shipping, baby. This episode is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick but can't always find the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you, Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for this season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There are no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. And you always have the option to buy what you love. I love Newly. I've rented so many cute things from there, and I've even made a few purchases from there. And they're always spot on. They have so many brands that I honestly could never afford in real life. So it's great to be able to rent them. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DST20. Just go to Newly, that's N U U L Y dot com, and enter the code DST20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com, newly with two U's, with code DST20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. In terms of like sweaty workouts, because my follow, another follow-up question was going to be about cardio. How does cardio play into it? And because like technically I know people do like this, the spin class craze and everybody's running. <laughs> not everybody, but people. How does that play into all of this? Great question. Cardio, first I want to say like cardio is not bad. Obviously some cardio is great for us, but what I often see is that it's overdosed. I think that people over-prioritize it when if you're resistance training, a lot of times people don't realize that you're getting cardiac benefits from resistance training. So like I always say like, your heart and lungs don't know the difference between whether you're resistance training or whether you're running. All they know is that there's increased demand for blood and oxygen to your tissues. So your heart and lungs have to work harder. But for some reason, we think that cardio and resistance training need to be separate and we need to spend a bunch of time on both. What I tend to see is that I always recommend, and I, I do want to say like disclaimer, like if you love cardio and it's, it's working for you, like keep going. But these are for the people that are like, they feel like obligated to do a bunch of cardio on the side. I always recommend focus on resistance training and then sprinkle in the cardio because you don't also don't want to overwhelm your system with so much cardio that it's washing out the work that you're putting in from your resistance training. Does that make sense? Yes. But the, the thing about the, your body doesn't know the difference. Can you elaborate on that? Like from a scientific perspective, because you know, we, you hear the benefits of cardio and strength training, like you said, sprinkling cardio, but what's the science behind or the scientific reason behind that? Yes. Well, depending on 
like the resistance training that you're doing, you'll get more or less cardio. So for example, a lot of times when you're working legs, you will feel your heart rate beating and that is cardiovascular stress. And and that's all cardio is, is like cardio is raising your heart rate. That's really what it is. Mm -hmm. So the reason that resistance training can double as cardio a lot of times is because when you're working your muscles, your muscles need more blood and oxygen in order to produce force to get you through the movement. So your heart and lungs have to beat harder and faster in order to serve that tissue that's asking for more blood and oxygen. So let's say you're doing like lunges and you've got weights and you're, you're asking your glutes to really work. Your heart and lungs will start to pump faster. You'll feel yourself like kind of get out of breath a little bit. Same thing when you're running, right? So like your tissues as you run need more blood and oxygen, your heart and lungs have to pump faster in order to serve those tissues. So your heart and lungs don't know, is she doing a lunge and need, and we need more blood and oxygen or is she running and we need more blood and oxygen. So that's where your resistance training can kind of double. Hopefully I explained that. Okay. Yeah, no, that's helpful. I also wanted to make a comment about the, like when we're kids, I thought where you were going with that was we found enjoyment. Like we weren't thinking of like playing sports as working out. It was like the, you found enjoyment or satisfaction in those types of workouts. But where I see you landed, I agree with like the, the coaching that's like the hardcore coaching and pushing you to do more does not help or changes the way that you think about working out as an adult. Right. Totally. And I was one of those kids that like, I wasn't super competitive at all. In fact, I was like terrible at sports. (laughs) I was like a cheerleader. And so, yeah, like my movement was like, you know, cheering or dancing where it's like fun. I'm like, I don't see that as a workout. Like, yeah. Yeah. So there's that too, but there's, I work with so many people who are type A and they, a lot of them happen to be, you know, competitive athletes in high school. And so those are the type of people that I think the wiring is so hard for them to change even though like their bodies feel like they're falling apart, but they feel like they have to do it that way. Yeah. In terms of like the sweaty workouts and the calorie burning, I feel like those a lot of the time come hand in hand in, like I said, like the spin craze and just, you know, all of it. Like a lot a lot of the time women are like chasing like double cardio classes just to burn the most amount of calories. And because also you feel so sweaty, you feel like you've done something how do we change that thinking? Because I know you said it's not, we shouldn't be going after calories. And you gave that theory, which is definitely helpful. But I feel like how do we, how do we get that into our brains (laughs) that it's not really effective? And like, why again, is it not effective to be like extremely sweaty? (laughs) So sweaty, being sweaty, like there's nothing wrong with that at all. But I think that people chase, they chase that instead of chase, their brain is directed in the wrong ways. Mm -hmm. So I think like ultimately, and it depends on like what you want out of exercise. So like what I recommend for most people who want to be fit and strong and healthy, and they want their workouts to, you know, be for them instead of against them. What I recommend is starting to slowly, you know, build muscle mass. And especially as women, as we age, we lose muscle mass and it can start as, as early as 30. So you're slowly losing muscle mass and it's, it's not, great for a lot of metabolic processes or, you know, body composition, if that's what you care about, whatever. So I do recommend shifting your focus towards muscle fatigue rather than just like what I call systemic fatigue or overall, just like you're exhausted, you're sweat, you're sweaty mess, you burn a bunch of calories. So the more specific you can get with 
this is the muscle I'm targeting. This is the muscle that um, is getting close to failure in this exercise. The more your body will adapt and build muscle. So I think that people think that like, we, oh my gosh, we use exercise to like shrink our bodies and like, mm-hmm. you know, no pain, no gain, no days off. Like, and it's just a mindset shift that ultimately I think is like, especially for women will make you burn out over time. It overstresses our bodies. We have lifestyles that are like, we're already stressed. Like most of us already have a lot going on. And then we add all this stressful exercise and we're wondering why our body isn't changing, quote unquote, like we want it to. And it's like, well, it's because you're tipping mm-hmm. over that stress bucket. <laughs> you're doing too much. What does that mean to like overstress your body? Is like what's happening? So I just did a podcast about this last week and I'll touch on it a little bit. It's kind of nerdy. I don't know like how much in deep you like how deep I'm you want to get into this, but okay. So <laughs> basically when you exercise, you get like damage in your tissue. And this is a good thing if you give your body enough recovery so that it can build up that muscle stronger. What a lot of people do is they don't give themselves enough recovery and then they just spin in chronic inflammation. So they'll just do the same exercises every single day and then, you know, their body will not adapt like it should. But what happens is that when you get that damage, there's certain molecules that are released, created in your tissue. And when you're not giving your body enough recovery, when you're overstressing your body, when you're doing a bunch of really intense exercise every single day, you're not taking recovery days, you're doing the same exercises. These molecules, they're called uh, reactive oxygen species, ROS. These molecules begin to build up in your body and they're not good for your body. They're very destructive to the cells. This creates what's called oxidative stress. This is when your body is overwhelmed by all of these molecules uh, in your cells And your body ends up getting overstressed and you start to see things like muscle weakness. You start to, your muscles start to atrophy or waste, waste, fatigue, joint pain. You start to see uh, like mood swings, sleep issues. You can even start to see accelerated aging. So like more fine lines and wrinkles, more gray hair, things like that. If these things are not taken care of in the long term, they tend to pile on and it can create chronic disease. So again, I think it just goes back to like we were taught that like more is better when we want to give your body enough, but not so much that it's overwhelming and causing all of these undesirable effects. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So what are common pains or aches, like for anybody who's listening, who might have like a little thing here and there that they ignore or don't pay attention to that actually might be stemming from either over-exercising or doing something incorrectly? What what have you seen in your career? I think (laughs) there's different, like there's different aches and pains, depending on like the different exercises that you do or the different types of movement that you do. And I would see a little bit of it all. So like, let's take, let's say you do a lot of power yoga. Well, 
in power yoga. And I love yoga, by the way. I taught, I taught yoga for years, but it's a lot of those like chaturanga pushups, those pushups where you lower down and whatever. And so like, for instance, for that type of modality, if you're doing a lot of that, you can get overuse of the shoulder. You can get, um, shoulder impingement where you kind of get this like burny cessation at the, at the front of your shoulder. So I saw that a lot in yogis, or I saw a lot of neck pain in yogis because they were always doing shoulders down and back, forcing their shoulders down and back, creating stress in the the neck upper trap. So those are were kind of common exercises that I saw from yogis. And that is because of a lot of the overuse of that chaturanga um, mm-hmm. and the shoulders down and back. Feel free to stop me, by the way. No, keep going. Yeah. I'd love to hear like other, like if you're doing some, like even running, I know mm-hmm. you have to kind of have to do it right because- it can hurt you quickly. Like you're, yes. I've tried to run <laughs> for a while and then all of a sudden my lower back was killing me because I wasn't stretching my hips, which is, you don't think of those things. <laughs> yes. And I, I will actually say like, it's less about like, well, form and everything and mechanics are obviously important when you're running, but it's less about like, okay, it's that. And then it's also like, how much are you running? Are you running mm. so much that it's causing overuse injuries? Because again, if your body can't keep up, you're like no amount of stretching or foam rolling or whatever is going to make up for the overuse in your body. You need time. So I always say like, that's super, like, I just had someone, I was laughing this weekend. I was at a bachelorette and someone was like, whenever I'm on bachelorette parties, people are like, can you help me with my hip? Can you help me with my knee? All this stuff. And I'm like, and she was like, how do I make my knee, my hips hurt less when I run? And I was like, run less. <laughs> yeah, run less. Like, it's like, she's, she did not want to hear that. And runners listen, like y'all do that. Like sometimes you got to do what you can to do what you love, but it, it's just so interesting. Like, so you have to like dosage of how much you're running is really important. If mm-hmm. you're finding those aches and pains that are from overuse, knee kind of dullness, back pain, it's time to play around with your dosage. Maybe, you know, take out a run, try that for a couple of weeks, see how your body feels. A lot of times just, I always use this analogy. It's like you step on a splinter and it hurts. And so you like rub ointment on it or like whatever, put a bandaid over it and it still hurts. And it's like, why does it still hurt? I'm like doing, I'm rubbing it and I'm putting ointment on it. It's like, well, if you just remove the splinter, then it'll feel a lot better. So it's kind of like, that's how it kind of is sometimes with exercise and dosing exercise appropriately. Right. Yeah. Stretching also like, God, I, I feel like many people, maybe just, maybe just me, but I know many people are not stretching enough either, either like warming up or stretching after and I, I remember being taught that in like elementary school, like talking about like prone to injury, but it's still hard to condition yourself to do that. But I think as we get older, we see the benefits. Are there yeah. any stretches that you recommend for certain types of like, even not if if you're not exercising, like we're sitting at computers all day, like, or we're scrunched over our phones. Like, are there stretches that you can share just for everyday living? <laughs> Yeah. I actually recommend like active mobility over like a lot of passive stretching because your body will get tight when it feels and when your nervous system feels unsafe, when your nervous system like sees a threat, or if it's like, she's in this prolonged position for a long time, like we better tighten up to like protect. Um, so I always say like, get up and move. Like, even if you're, I love walking, I recommend walking, you know, throughout your day, if you can, like circling your shoulders, moving your spine in all these different directions, moving your head, moving your neck, yeah, circling your hips. That's what I recommend, you know, because, and again, it's the, it goes back to like removing the splinter. Can we take out what's stressing your body and causing it to be tight? Can we change how you're working? Can we, can we change your workstation? Can we get you standing more or moving more in general? 
So those are the things that I like recommend is just like get your body moving. Even if you have to like shake out your hands, like roll your wrists, roll your feet, all of that. Right. I noticed also like that my neck has started to hurt after like a weekend where I'm not necessarily on my computer, but I'm on my phone. And like if I'm sitting, like your phone, you're, when you're looking at your phone, you're never like, you don't have it in front of you, like a television <laughs> right. or a computer. It's low. Right. And right. I was like, oh my God, how do I not do that? <laughs> what do you recommend for that? I think like if you can get your phone, because listen, like you are probably the same way. I had to be on my phone like all day. Like I just have to be like for work. Like it's just, yeah. you know, Instagram, whatever. Like if you can stand and like put your put your phone like in front of your face basically or like prop prop your elbow up on a pillow so that you can like have your hand, like phone more at eye level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um that's always good. I mean our bodies are designed to move. They're not designed to stay stationary for for a long time. So I really do find that just like reminding yourself to move, like working in different places, like I work from home and so I'll work at my desk for a couple hours. I'll go downstairs. I'll work at that table. And in between, I'm going up and down the stairs. And mm-hmm. so the more you can move around, I think, honestly, the better. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And you can also like feel the aches when you're sit- seated for a long period of time. Like yes, in your like butt, your glutes, your legs, you just feel like a, like a tin, I say I feel like a tin man sometimes. Like I wish I could just like yes. oil up my joints. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And dehydration will do that too. Like if mm. you're, if you're not drinking enough water, your muscle, you'll get tight, you'll get tighter. You'll have more muscle dysfunction and honestly inflammation yeah. so that, yeah, hydrating is important too. So going back to exercise, I know you have like five basics for working out in ways that does not tear us down. Can you talk about those? Yes. So the first is there's five basics. I'll quickly name them and then I'll go through each one. So programming, exercise selection is number two. Number three is progressive overload. Number four, which I heard you talk about in one of your podcasts recently. So we can talk about that more deeply. I love that. Um, Number four is nutrition. And then number five is recovery. So programming. Before you go into it, can you like say what these basics are for again? Oh, yes. So The five basics are for how you can use exercise for yourself, for longevity, to build your body up, to build up your muscular system, to build up, but use fitness for you basically instead of against you. Because again, like we talked about, so many people are overstressing their body. So how do we give our bodies enough that's going to result in healthy outcomes and, you know, muscle growth, all those things without Mm -hmm. doing so much that it results in these undesirable effects. Like I talked about earlier with the overstress. So number one is programming. Number two is exercise selection. Number three is progressive overload. Number four is nutrition. And number five is recovery. So we'll kind of go into each one. Number one programming. So we talked about this a lot. I really do recommend avoiding overuse. I don't recommend doing the same exercises every day. The way we do it and the way that's very common is each day there's like a different muscle group focus. So like, for example, Monday is lower body. Tuesday is upper body. Wednesday is like trunk and core. Thursday is like a mix. Friday is full body. So by the time we get to like Thursday or Friday, like we're not working glutes again, for example, until we get to Thursday or Friday. So they've had a couple of days to recover and actually get stronger. What people think is that 
more is better. If I want like to grow my glutes or build muscle in my glutes, I should do glute exercises every day. That's not what you should do because your body gets overused, overinflamed, and then you don't actually end up building muscle. So that's number one is programming, um, being intentional about your workouts. I think like a lot of people will just go to the gym and they won't really have a plan. I really do recommend like planning out your week so that you're not overusing your body. So that's number one. Number two is exercise selection. Again, we talked about this a little bit, like focus on that muscle fatigue, focus on exercises that are high reward, low cost. So they feel satisfying to your muscles, but it's not like, Ooh, my knees kind of hurt. My back kind of hurts doing this like before or after. So exercise selection is huge. Not every exercise is created equal. Just for like the regular person who's listening, where do you start? Like not start, but how do you determine whether or not you have been selecting workouts that are good? I know you said like intuition, yeah. but like how? <laughs> do you want me to go through like, so, do you want me to list my favorites? Sure. That be yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Okay. okay. I'll just do like, I'll just like quickly go through like major muscle groups. Okay. So glutes, I love step-ups. I love, and we do step-ups in a different way. We'll kind of like we won't let our bo- our bottom foot go all the way to the ground. So you'll hover the back foot. They're so hard, but so good. And then I love lunge variations for the glutes as well. For quads, I love, they're called reverse Nordic curls. So it's, have you seen them? You're like, le- you're kneeling and you kind of like lean yourself back and come forward. They're, it's like, I call them the matrix move because it looks like you're like in the matrix. Like you're like oh. leaning your whole torso back. Without weights? With, you can do it without weight because it's super effective at loading your quads. It's very challenging. Interesting. It might not be might not be the best for everyone's knees. So like I always say, like, again, if it bothers mm-hmm. your knees, I love like wall sits. I love what's called yeah. sissy squats where your heels are propped up and you're kind of dropping yourself down. Okay. Um, I love like ball crunches for the abdominals. I love row variations for the upper back. I love bicep curls, skull crushers just kind of name in a few of my favorites. So then number one, programming, number two, exercise selection, number three, progressive overload. So we want to give our bodies enough stimulus that is above what we're used to so that it it's the catalyst for change in our bodies, right? We have to like push ourselves a little bit more than what we're comfortable with. I think people hear that and they think they need to like go overboard and that's not necessary. That's not necessary, right? You can just do a little bit more than you're comfortable with. What I recommend is like, let's say you're doing a set of step-ups. You want to get close to failure to the point where you couldn't complete another rep, but you don't have to get all the way to failure where you like collapse on the ground. So basically like, I always say like your last few repetitions should feel very challenging. They should feel like, you know, you're really burning and progressive overload is the idea that you're adding a little bit more as your body gets stronger. So as you get stronger, you add a little more resistance or you add a little more volume or, you know, I always recommend just like flexing harder, like focusing on squeezing the muscle harder that will uh, produce more positive adaptation. So progressive overload is important. I was going to ask, is increasing time also a way of progressively overloading? You can increase time. That would be just like doing more repetitions or doing like another set. So like you could do, yeah. So like if you're like, okay, usually I do three sets. Um, today I'm going to do four sets and that'll make your workout longer. So yes. Well, like let's is. say if you're doing a plank or like something that's body weight or like a wall sit. Mm-hmm. Like an isometric where you're just holding for sure. If you increase okay. time, you, I always say though, like, 
staying within that like 60 to 90 second time frame for every set is probably the most beneficial because mm-hmm. you are going that is the time where you're recruiting as many fibers as as you can both the type 1 and the type 2 fibers so that tends to be the sweet spot i said i like to recommend is like 60 to 90 seconds per exercise. So if you're passing that 90 second mark and it's way too easy and you can go a lot, lot longer, I would add some more resistance. Okay. Yes. That's great. And I will say too, with progressive overload, like I really recommend like moving slow and setting really long goals for yourself instead of being like in the next 60 days, I'm going to like, you know, hit these goals. I recommend like letting yourself move slow. We've got the rest of our lives to work out. So like, let's not rush it. Let's like not hurt ourselves. Let's go slow and really be mindful. So that's number three. And then number four is something that I know you've had many experts on, so I won't touch on it too much, but nutrition, your body just plain and simple won't adapt if you're not fueling it properly. So, you know, with enough food, I think so many people like don't eat enough. Again, I don't want to touch too much on that because I like to defer to the experts So nutrition is important. And then the last one is recovery. I really do recommend like taking, depending on your lifestyle, one, at least one recovery day or two. I take two every week and I find it's helped keep me consistent. It's helped my body actually change. I feel like I can give more to my workouts the next week when I give myself two full days to reset. On your reset days, you know, you can go for a walk or any gentle movement that's not like overstressing your body or your system so that you're not, mm-hmm. you know, taking steps backwards so your body can actually change and adapt and improve in the time that you're putting in your workouts. You're the first person I've ever heard say two recovery days are better than one. Any any workout plan is always like one rest day. <laughs> I know. I know. And, you know, for some people, like they can do that. But I just found my body personally because like... I don't know. It's like that full reset where like Monday, I'm like feeling so good. Like I'm feeling like I fully am ready to give more Mm -hmm. Um, instead of like spread. Because I think a lot of times you just spread yourself so thin and then like you're not able to give as much in in the time that you are spending working out. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I do. I do love two recovery days per week. I'll take that. What about posture? You know, I sit here with a lumbar support on my (laughs) 33, just turned 33. I saw my grandma had it. <laughs> She's my new influencer. Um, so I, yeah, I got one and I've, because I found myself like slouching my, like I'm not holding my core at all. I'm like really like doing nothing right when I sit. And it's definitely helped me. Is that necessary? Like, am I just, did I just buy something off Amazon because I saw an ad for it or is it, or is it actually helpful? And are there other posture related tips you have? And why is posture important? Well, I tend to think that posture is a function of your environment. So if you are staying stationary all day long, if you, and also if you're working out in ways that like the spin bike where you're hunched forward for, you know, every single day you're spinning and you're hunched forward every single day, your body will eventually adapt to that posture. So I I tend to think like if you're working out in balanced ways and you're, you're working all of your muscle groups, including your back muscles, all of that, and you're moving throughout your day, a lot of times you don't really have to do a lot of like posture correcting. Again, it's like the sense of like, am I rubbing the cream on the splinter or am I taking out the splinter? So can I like just, you know, can I get my workstation where I'm more comfortable or I'm moving more? So if, I mean, honestly, I think if the lumbar support like feels good for you, does. does it make your back feel better? Yeah, like I don't feel any strain in my back anymore. I mean, I'm always I'm always like 
fixing it, but like where it's supporting my back a little bit, which is also nice because it- Yes. And it also makes, helps me sit back, my shoulders back. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just getting you out of that that same flexed position of your low back. I think that's what it's doing. So I think anything like that that you can do where you're not in the exact same position for a really long mm-hmm. time is the best thing you can do for your posture. Yeah. And like I also see it in, in like my mom when she sits, like kind of just – she seems like shorter. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if like I told her to put her back – her like shoulders back, she seems so much taller And like seeing it really like just keeps reminding me like how important it is to – because it definitely also makes you feel good. Like are you exercise – like are you um, working muscles when you're actively trying to keep your shoulders back? Yes. Or, you know? Like you're you're working them in the sense that they have to contract to keep your body – like up, right? But you're not necessarily like it's the it's different than like exercising. But yeah, you have to like keep yourself upright by contracting muscles. But one thing that I will caution with like that's like that I see often people make mistakes of with posture is that they'll overcorrect. So mm. they'll do like, you know, you've heard like shoulders back and down. What I think people do is they drive their shoulders down and it overstretches this upper oh. trap muscle right here. And then it causes all this tension and pain in their in their upper trap and their neck muscle. And then they're like, oh, it's probably because my posture is bad. I need to like continue to overcorrect. And then it just kind of like spins them in this cycle. So I, I tend to think, I don't know, like I'm a little different when it comes to this. Like I don't cue a lot of posture because I just think that like if you're exercising in ways that are balanced and moving, your mm-hmm. posture just kind of works itself out. It's like a, it's a result of yeah. doing all the other stuff. Exactly. It's a perfect way to put it. Okay. Actually, I lied and I have one more question. And it's about sleep position because like we're sleeping for a very long majority of – no, not majority. Majority we're of our lives. <laughs> of our lives. We're, it's a position in which we are putting our bodies in. We're not awake. So we are not conscious of what our bodies are doing. And a lot of us might contort in a way that's like undoing all of the stuff that you do during the day. Do you um, see that when you were doing physical therapy? Did you see that come with people like complaining about that? Or do you have any tips about how to be more conscious of how you sleep? Oh, man. I go back and forth with this too because I kind of just think like, listen, sleep, if we can get into deep sleep, that is the most important part. And so like if you are – if you're comfortable in this weird contorted position, but it's allowing you to get into that deep sleep, I'm kind of like, let's just, let's let you do that. Because when you sleep, that's when you get all this cell turnover. That's when you recover. That's when you heal all these different things in your body. It's when inflammation decreases, all that. So if you are like, if I, if I was like, everyone needs to sleep either on their back or on their side. But if you're like, I'm someone that I cannot fall asleep on my side or my back, then Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, just get in what position you're comfortable. If I had to like be picky about it, I think sleeping on your side is really good with like a pillow, like you kind of like wedge it, like I'm using my hands, but I'm realizing it's a podcast. So people aren't going to be able to see, but illustrate with your words. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You're kind of like wedging it between your shoulder and your neck and then Mm -hmm. like cradle it sort of, and then use a pillow between your knees. Yes. Um, I've heard that to keep your back, like your spine straight, right? Yes. Yes. But I just tend to think like, again, sleep is one of those things that 
just get it, just sleep, like let yourself sleep. Don't overthink it because if you, you know, if you're not sleeping, nothing else, nothing else in in life works. Right. You probably know that as having a baby. Right. (laughs) Also, I'm sure also like putting the phone down is more important. Like before bed is probably more important than like exactly where the pillow is between your legs. 100%. Um, 100%. But I do do find like that, like if I do sleep weird, like my pillow I do something, I don't know, or my anxiety is manifesting in my like neck position. I do wake up with like neck pain and I wonder if I like need to invest in a better pillow, but, um, yeah, all, all that. I like, day. I like medium firmness, I think. But again, it's like, what are you comfortable with? Right. I like medium where it's like a little malleable. It's not too hard, not too soft, right in the middle. So you can kind of form it around your neck. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it, that's also like part of the spine of keeping the spine straight, right? Like your neck support. Yes. Yep. That's a lot. Yep. <laughs> it's too many things. Too, so many. All right. Let's close out with one question. And I know you ha- you shared the basics and like what to focus on, but just if there was one thing or one thing you hope the, our listeners can take away from exercise, exercising in a way that helps you instead of hurts you, what would that be? I think... Oh, of course, the leaf blower just started right outside my window. Hopefully, hopefully y'all can't hear that. <laughs> um, I'm like, great timing. So I think, you know, question why you're exercising truly and like, how is it making you feel? Is your workout building you up or do you feel like it's tearing you down? And we talked a lot about, you know, kind of what to do, what not to do. At the end of the day, I think people get so paralyzed by this information sometimes And there's so many conflicting viewpoints in the fitness world, but like, just move your body. And if it doesn't feel good, like you have full permission to change things up. If exercises don't Mm -hmm. feel good, change it up. But I think like moving your body, even if it's just walking is like what we all need to be doing. Mm -hmm. Can you overwalk? Yes. Yes. You can get overuse injuries from, from walking too much. Yeah. I think variety is king personally. That's why I like doing a little lifting, a little walking, a little Pilates, a little yoga, a little, a little hit. Like, I think that's right. I think that's the best. Cause it's also like, that's natural recovery from each movement. Every time you're adding variety, it reduces (laughs) overuse. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Shannon. Where can people follow you? Where can they check out Evlo? Yes. So evlofitness.com, that's E-V-L-O-fitness.com is our website. We have a 14 day free trial. So people can always just go in there and see if they like it. And then on Instagram, I'm dr.shannondpt. So Dr. Shannon DPT. And yeah. Oh, I also have a podcast where I get into nitty gritty nerdy stuff. It's called Fit Body Happy Joints. Oh, that's great. That's a great name. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me and talking about this. I also love the science behind it all. And it's very so interesting. So everyone, please go check out Evlo, check out Shannon. And we're always with you through thick and thin. Diet Starts Tomorrow is produced by Sean Kilby, Stacey Wong, and Jorge Morales Pico. Editing by Stacey Wong. Be sure to follow at Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to dst at betches.com. Batches.